All right, hey, we're in uh, Lesson 10. We're in Romans Chapter 5, folks. We're progressing right along. We're going to, the next two lessons are going to wrap up the whole discussion about your justification. Again, he's going to help you to understand about the issue of you being justified, not by your works, not by your religious rituals, not even by your heritage or anything else, other than simply your justification by faith. Faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. So he's going to move, after showing us through Abraham, how this issue of faith works in justifying us, he's going to talk about in Romans chapter 5, the issue of the benefits of your justification. See, there are certain benefits that you could be applying to your life right now, could be enjoying in your life right now, if you understood your justification. Do you you understand what I'm saying? There are things that we're going to talk about that will help you in your everyday life just simply by the fact of your justification. And I think this is probably the most neglected area for you and I as Christians, when we, especially when we, we lead somebody to the Lord, we don't help them understand these things. Because most people, when they think about coming to salvation, they think about heaven later on and that's it. They don't have any concept that their salvation means something right now for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't have any concept about that the reality of salvation is something for you right now, not just later on. Do you understand? You got saved now. It's not when you when you go to be with heaven later on. Salvation begins for you now. And that's what he's going to talk about. So that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the first 11 verses here in Romans. So let's look at the first five verses as he lists for us the benefits. Look with me as he writes here. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also have glory in tribulations knowing that tribulations, tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because of the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Alright, so let's look at these benefits. First of all, the first benefit, because of justification by faith, we now have peace with God. I think this is interesting that he begins the very first benefit that I think most of us sometimes don't clue into is the fact that you have peace with God. Because for most Christians, I'll be flat out honest with you, including myself, peace is the one thing that we lack, isn't it? Peace is the one thing that we want so much, especially when you think about your relationship with God. As you go to Him, you're you're concerned, you're worried about the sin in your life, the the sin in your life is real, and and, and you just feel like there's some kind of tension in the air. Do you you know what I'm talking about, the tension in the air? Like, have, Have you ever had something between you and your spouse? Or between you and your parent, and it's like you could cut the air? 
literally from the tension because of something that happened or whatever? Do you know what I'm talking about? We understand that in human terms, but think about it spiritually in terms of your relationship with God when you know that you haven't been doing right in an area, whatever the area is for you. And, and, and one of the things that you and I need to grasp is, is that because of justification, by your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you have what? Peace. Peace with God. Now that's an awesome thought. Most of us need to sit around and just maybe take a week and think about that. Because here's the reality. This is a benefit of justification. So let me ask you a question. Is this peace with God something that you can affect? Think about it for a moment. Can you affect the salvation? This is a benefit of... Because some of you might be confused. Well, I can affect my relationship with Jesus by my sin. Yes, you can. You can affect your relationship with Jesus. But again, your acceptance... And the reality of the peace with God now that comes from that acceptance, can you affect that by your sin? Can you affect that by you? Think about it. This is a benefit of salvation. Can you do anything for your salvation? Some people are like, oh man, where's the coffee? Were you guys over at my house last night partying or something? Okay, I mean, like, are you like, oh, oh. Okay. Our end, it's not because we get affected by our sin. But see, what I'm trying to help you to understand is, you got to quit looking at yourself. you got to keep looking at the issue of grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, that's not going to be an excuse for sin. You say, man, George, we're getting awfully close to you saying that I can do whatever I want to, and grace is grace. Woo! Well... Well, yeah, but, but, okay, yeah, but it's, uh, well, if somebody might take that, and the reason why I say that is because Paul says that in the very next chapter. When you get to chapter 6, his very beginning statement is, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And why did he raise that question? Because the argument of chapter 5 makes it seem that way. That my peace with God is not affected by me. Because he gave me peace because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and my, fin- and my faith in it. So, do you understand? So it's not like I'm off the rocker here. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to help you to understand. And Paul's trying to help you to understand. You have peace with him. That's not affected by you because your salvation is not affected by you, right? Okay. See, the benefit to you is peace now with God. Man, if you could grasp that, that will take you a whole lot farther in dealing with your sin in your life. Okay, stop for a moment. We all struggle with stuff. Let's just go ahead and say that out loud, okay? Everybody recognize that? Everybody's stuff's different here. Some of it might be similar between two people, but we're not going to have you match up, okay? All right, I just want you to know, everybody struggles with something here. 
And everybody's trying to overcome it because it's the thing that you're convicted about. It's the thing that the Holy Spirit's trying to work in your life about. It's the, it's the thing. Now, the problem is, is that we get defeated because it seems like, man, I have been wrestling with this for a long time. Years. And you just want to give up because you're defeated by it. Part of the defeat is, is that there's this concept in your mind of being at peace with God and in your mind, you're not at peace with God because you're continuing to still struggle with this. Well, let me just take that concept of peace with God out of your hands and put it in God's hands. That's where you need to put it. The benefit of justification is, is you now have peace with God through who? It says right in the verse, through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who the peace is through. It's not through you. Now, do you see how that can be a benefit to you as you're trying to overcome the stuff in your life? Did you understand? Go ahead, Jim. Basically, what I'm hearing you say is you're talking about just simply changing my focus. Changing your focus. Because the fact that the peace and uh, that I'm saved and salvation... I can never affect the fact that that exists. That's exactly right. I can affect my acceptance of it. Your mindset. So I have to change my perspective, my focus, regardless of the circumstance I'm in. i got to take it off of that circumstance, put it on what he did for me, and there's where my faith needs to stay. That's exactly right. Did you hear what Jim said? Are you comprehending what he says? It is a change of a mindset. It is a change of focus. See, our focus is on me, and I'm not doing it, and I'm not, you know, and you don't know the stuff in my life, and how can he love me, and, you know, and yeah, maybe I'm saved, but I'm like a less than red-headed stepchild, you know? You've got to change your focus. This is what, this is why I'm trying to help you to understand. So much of what we thought about salvation is what happens later on when I go to be with Jesus, give me a harp, and I'll be bored the rest of my life, Okay? I'm telling you, the reality of your salvation is now. It's now. Did you understand what I'm saying? And what's now is, is change your focus and realize you have peace with God through who? It's not through you. That's what's so awesome. That's the first one. This peace is available to us through who? Jesus Christ. We already said that. Here's the other one. Here's the other benefit. And boy, you better grasp this one. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to the grace of salvation which we stand in. How many of you need grace? You better all raise your hands. All of us need grace. One of the benefits of your justification by faith, by putting your complete trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you for your salvation, is you have access to grace. And Ephesians gives the concept of grace upon grace. Like, I love going to the beach, okay? I love going to the beach. Sometimes I even love getting in the water, okay? But have you ever been on the beach and just been sitting there and watching the waves come in? Do they ever stop? No. 
And it's like wave upon wave. That's the concept that comes out of Ephesians about grace upon grace. It's wave of grace upon grace. There's no end to God's grace for your life. And again, do you have any control over with your life what grace happens in your life? Do you? Grasp it. He's saying one of the benefits that you have through justification by faith is that you now have access to that grace. Isn't that awesome? You can go to him at any time and say, Lord, right now I just need your grace. I need your grace, whatever that means for me right now as I'm facing this situation. That is so awesome. Grace upon grace. Not just that you have peace, but you have grace coming to you from God because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You know how many years it took me to figure this out? I've been a believer now 30 years. Folks, I didn't grasp this till I started pastoring. Why? Because we're not teaching it. Did you understand what I'm saying? We're not teaching it. Nobody taught me that when I was a new Christian. I, I knew I was saved and I was going to be in heaven and I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. But I also got taught, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't go here, wear this, wear that, keep your hair this color or short or whatever. Not color, but I mean short, okay? Uh... What, what, what was that? I heard somebody say something. Oh, edit it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I won't edit it out. <laughs> we just have too much fun in Sunday school, okay? Um, what? I won't talk about redheads. Okay. All right. I didn't grasp the reality of grace until a long time. And if that's true for me, how many, of other, how many others are like that? Did you know what I'm saying? Through faith in Christ, we have access to grace, the grace of salvation. The grace of salvation for you every day through Jesus Christ. Here's the other one. Joy and future hope. We can also have joy... And the future hope of glory. What's the future hope of glory? That there's something better. You can have joy. You know what? Here's the thing. So oftentimes, how can we have joy in our suffering? Because that's what Paul talks. Rejoice, Philippians. Rejoice in our suffering. How, how's that possible, Jordan? How can we have that? I, I, seriously, come on. You can have joy because you know it ain't but a thing. This is nothing compared to what's coming. You can have joy of resting in that you'll get through this. Oh, yeah, it's different. Yep. That's exactly right. 
Yeah, because it has nothing to do with your feelings. I mean, you could be happy about your new truck, right? A year from now, are you still happy about your new truck? Not as happy. And and especially not happy if somebody dings it at Walmart, okay? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Because you, I mean, you, feelings leave. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Feelings leave. But George, Jim is so right that it's it's a state of mind. It's a focus. It's the stability that keeps you. In fact, listen to this. Colossians 1.27 says this. To them God willed to be made known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, this is the hope that we're, we're to rest in. We can have joy in the hope that we have in Christ. Do you understand? The hope of glory, the hope of something better later on. We've so missed that. We're so focused on trying to make life perfect now. Have you noticed? How's that going? Seriously, how's that going? If I could only get that room colored, this right color. Okay, so you got the room colored. How about five years later when you think, oh, this color room needs to change color again? See, that didn't satisfy you. Nothing satisfies you. That's why, I mean, a great book for all of us to read would be Ecclesiastes, where Solomon in his old age writes, Vanity of vanity, all's vanity. There's nothing satisfying. So let's go on. Here's the other one. This is one that we struggle with, but we need to grasp a hold of, is joy and suffering. We can have joy in the midst of our suffering. I hate to say it, but all of you, whether you realize it or not, have embraced some form of prosperity theology. I don't care if you've been to a Baptist church all your life or a Methodist church and you haven't gone to a Pentecostal church. The sad thing is most Americans have embraced some form of prosperity theology. And what's that? That blessing from God means that I'm going to be okay. And that, my friends, is heretical. Because the reality is, is that nobody promised you anything about that it was going to be okay. Because you live in this world. And let's, everybody agree with me, this world's messed up. And bad things happen. And it doesn't necessarily have to be because of your sin. I mean, we're just talking about the stuff that happens that has nothing to do with you. And then add to it the stuff that you create for yourself. Sometimes ignorantly. So suffering is a part of our life. He says one of the benefits that we can have, one of the benefits that we can have is that we can have joy in the midst of our suffering. Now let's just stop. Remember what Jim said earlier. Joy is not necessarily a feeling. Oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this hurt right now. No. It's a focus that, you know what, it's just, a, just a, through Jesus I've got something else. Through Jesus I can get through this. I have joy in Christ, my acceptance in Him and what's coming in the midst of my suffering, my pain. See, this is the reality. So, you know, in fact, he says that one of the things that we can have joy in is what suffering produces in us. Look at what he says there, and there's a parallel passage. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 2 there, Romans. Excuse me, verse 3. 
not only, but we also have glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. See, this is what it's producing in you. When you go through things, it's going to be producing all of these things in your life, ultimately hope. Hope in what, George? Hope in something in Christ beyond this. But listen to what James says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Listen to what he says. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect worth, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Sounds very similar to what Paul's saying here, isn't it? Except he takes it one step further and says that it develops your character, and with that character it develops hope in what? Hope later on. Hey, you know one of the things I... You want to know why I think God lets us suffer? This is George's opinion, okay? You want to know why bad stuff happens sometimes? Because there's no solid answer, but I think sometimes bad stuff happens so that we don't get comfortable here. Because it's easy to get comfortable, isn't it? Because what happens is, is when bad stuff happens, we've got to look to somebody else, right? And it causes us to look to who? God. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why. Now, that's George's opinion, okay? All right? Take that, whatever. Here's the other benefit. Suffering produces spiritual growth that results in hope. That's what we've been talking about here. Suffering produces spiritual growth that results in hope. Look, there's one other benefit now, and that's the issue of love. Hope in a believer's life does not lead to disappointment. Hope in what, George? Hope in Jesus and what he wants to accomplish in your life and what he has for you. That's not going to lead to disappointment. Okay? Because we've had hope in other things that have led to disappointment, right? Because we had hope in things that were not God. In our abilities or somebody else's ability or something else. And that's led to disappointment. Here's the other one. The Holy Spirit has poured out God's love into the hearts of believers. This is another benefit. God's Holy Spirit has poured out into your life love. He's poured it out. He's poured out Christ's love into your life. That's one of the benefits. And Paul points out that the Holy Spirit was given to all believers. Folks, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here, you have in your life the Holy Spirit of God. You have God himself, the third person of the Trinity, living within you. Is that awesome? So let's go on now. Let's get to verse 6 through 11, and he's going to talk about the sacrifice. How is this all possible? How, do, how is it that we benefit from all of this? He's going to tell you it's from the sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus. Look with me, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcity, for scarcely, for a righteous man will, will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, 
we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received the reconciliation. Alright, so let's talk about this. Alright? How is it, again, he's going to remind you how you can have all of these benefits. Remember, we just talked about all those benefits. Aren't those benefits great? Okay. So Paul's got to pause just to make sure you understand, and that I understand, he's going to tell you how it is that you get these benefits. So here's what he says. Paul states that believers lack the strength or the power for salvation. Look at what he says there, verse 6. For while we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You need to understand. You've got to grasp it. He's making the point again, your justification before God, your acceptance with God, is purely an act of God. It has nothing to do with you. Why? Because you don't have any strength to acquire salvation. You don't have any ability... Nothing. There's not a thing you can do or not do. Do you understand? You don't have the strength to do it or the power to do it. Hey, you understand that, right? You understand that. How how do I understand that, George? Okay. Let's go back for a moment. Think a few moments ago I said to you that all of you got some kind of stuff you're dealing with, right? Is that right? It's not our heads. Okay. All right. How are you doing with the power and your own strength to deal with that thing? How are you doing? Not good, are you? So let me just stop for a moment. If you don't have the power to deal with that, what makes you think you got the power to get salvation? Hmm. We're in trouble, right? Yeah, we were in trouble. This is the point he's making. The point he's making here is you can't do it. So what else does he say then? Jesus Christ died for believers at just the right time. Aren't you glad he died for you? Because you couldn't do it. You didn't have the power to do it. You didn't have the strength to do it. So at just the right time, at just the right time in history, Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. Is that not awesome? You know, just the right time. He goes on here, the nature of Christ's sacrifice for us is unnatural. Look at what he says here. Okay, here's what he says, and then I'll help you to understand. Look at what he says. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some will even dare to die. So what he's talking about here is it's just unnatural for us to give our lives for somebody else. Now, you'll give your life for your kid. Alright, everybody? Right? You'll do whatever for your kid. That's not the illustration he's given here. Now, here's the fact. I love you folks. But I don't think I would be like ready to die for you. Okay? 
And I know some of you wouldn't die for me. You might be thinking, oh, he was a good guy. Too bad that happened to him. That's just natural, right? Here's what he's saying. The nature of Christ's sacrifice for you is what? Unnatural. The fact that Jesus Christ would lay down his life for you. Now, if he laid down his life for his mama, we would understand that, right? Did you understand what I'm saying? If he laid down his life for one of his siblings, we would understand that. We'd say, oh yeah, that's, that's normal. People laying down their lives for their family, that's normal. But the fact that he would lay down his life for you, you, you with all your stuff, that is unnatural. That's the point Paul's making here. So we were without strength. We didn't have the ability to do it. He died for us. His sacrifice for us is unnatural. Let's go on. The sacrifice of Jesus demonstrates God's love. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ demonstrates God's love. You wonder how much love, you know, I've heard, you know, how much, like we sing it east to west. One, one nail scarred hand to the other. You know, there, there was a, there was a, a, back in the 80s, back when Christian bookstores were really big selling potpourri, you know, that one of the signs you could buy there was, how much does Jesus love me? He stretched out his hands and died. How much do you love me? You know, Here's the reality. That just tells you how much God loves you. That he would send his son to die for you in a way that's totally unnatural for human beings. That's the reality. Okay? Let's go on. This love was demonstrated in the cross even though we were sinners. Hey, I mean, we get this way, you know. We get this way. Okay, Brad, I love you, man. I'll do anything for you. Brad messes up. <laughs> All right, man. I, I'm done with you. We write people off, right? Like, uh, you know, maybe the first time messing up, you know what? Okay, I'll still do something for you. But after about the 15th time, something's wrong with me. You know what I'm saying? Something's wrong with me if I keep letting him do that, right? I mean, at some point I'm going to say, I'm done with you, bud. That's normal, right? We would all say that's normal behavior, right? Because we're, we're tired of being run over. Think about God and you and I. How many times do we run over? How many times do we mess up? And he doesn't what? He doesn't write us off. Isn't that not awesome? He doesn't write us off. This love was demonstrated to us on the cross even though we are still sinners. Here, folks, you're still sinners. You still sin. Oh, I haven't done any sin. How do you know that? We sin ignorantly. We sin ignorantly, right? Even though we're still sinners, that love was demonstrated on the cross to us even though we're still sinners. Let's go on. Why? Save from wrath. Because we've been justified by the sacrifice of Christ, we've been saved from wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. What's God's wrath? God's judicial sentence of death from us. You've been saved from that. Grasp it. Now, let me stop for a moment. Did it have anything to do with you? 
Let me say it again. Did it have anything to do with you? Wake up, folks. No. No. I've only got two people up here saying Did it have anything to do with you? No. Okay. All right. Do you believe that? You better. You better. See, this is why you have the benefits of, the, of justification that we have early on. It's because He died for you. He died for you. Because we've been justified by the sacrifice of Christ, we've been saved from wrath. You've been saved from the eternal death penalty, folks. Let's go on. Jesus' death reconciled believers who were once enemies to God. You know, before salvation, you did not have any relationship with God. Period. You need to understand that and grasp that. I know people think, oh, I talk to God all the time. Yeah, that's fine. You talk to God, but he wasn't listening. It was through Jesus' death, through salvation, now that you have been reconciled to him. You now have a relationship with him. You've been reconciled, not because of you, but because of who, folks? Jesus, okay? The resurrection of Jesus ensures the completion of salvation for believers. That's what he's saying to us here. Look with me. Verse 10. For if we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through death of his, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What's he talking about there? Well, you know that you're reconciled to his death, but do you know that your salvation hinges on the fact that he didn't just die for you, that he arose from the grave? And his resurrection assures that you have salvation. So let me just stop for him. How do you know you have salvation? How do you know that you have heaven later on? Well, Jesus died for me. Not just that, folks. He rose from the dead. The firstborn of all creation. I know that I have a future ahead of me in Christ. Not just the forgiveness of sins, but I have a new life, a new body, a new heaven, a new place to dwell because Jesus rose from the dead. That's reality. That's what he's talking about here. Again, it has nothing to do with you. So let's go on then. I can have joy in Christ. Believers can have joy in all that Jesus Christ has accomplished for believers. Your joy, your joy, not a feeling of happiness, your joy is in realizing all that Jesus did for you. We just talked about some of those things with the benefits, right? Hey, I'm serious. Sometime this week, if you're in a car alone, or if you're at home, put down the device, turn off the radio, maybe open your Bible, and think for a moment, just from this chapter, about the reality of what he's done for you. And it's now. That's awesome. It'll change your perspective. You will grow deeper. You will grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. You'll mature. Believers have received reconciliation through Jesus Christ. That's the point he's making here. You have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Now let me just stop for a moment. Does that have anything to do with you? Oh, and a couple people, no. Does it have anything to do with you? No. Okay, no. 
All right, next week we're going to talk about Adam and Jesus. We're going to compare. We're going to finish up this discussion of justification, and he's going to talk about what Adam brought to us, which we don't like, and what Jesus did for us.